A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Matchball. The show is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% off your legal fees via levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the Square Ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello, Michael's here. Hello. So is Moscow White. Hello. Don't I get my full name? Sorry, Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Sorry, <laughs> d- demanding showbiz. I was leaving the gap. You threw me. Leaving a gap like Newcastle in the, their defence for Jackie Haradona to run into. How big a gap does he need? Well, a let, small one. No, no, he can no. Hit the top no, corner from anywhere. No, no, no. We need to get this one right from the top. Jackie Haradona out of form. Rodrigo can't finish. Alioski needs dropping. The left-hand side's knackered. Rubbish. I think we've worked out how to defend corners as well. We just score from them. It's a lot easier at their end. I mean, all joking aside, that was much, much better tonight. And in that first half, we were weirdly profligate as well, considering we ended up with five goals on the on the, um, on the the scoreboard. We actually could have probably had about 10, given the chances that we, we spurned in that first half. Thankfully, on this occasion, it didn't cost us because we were dead good going forward in the second half. I mean, some of those goals were comical, weren't they? I mean, it was okay. <laughs> I, it was, this is, I guess, commentator Steve Nichol. Where's Nic- sustainable? Steve Nichol from ESPN. There was well, a, a little bit of that from Nigel Spackman at the end, uh, an old teammate of Steve Nichols, of course. He was going, well, they can't play like this every game. Mm. We, 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 we can do. try. We, yeah. we do. And we'll, we'll get beat by West Ham, but then we'll beat Newcastle. The pattern of that game never changed, did it? We no. were always on top throughout the whole thing. And yet, at 28 minutes, Spackman, I, I wrote this down as a, a note to make a petty point on, it had, if we won the game, claimed that Steve Bruce had got it spot on tactically. He hadn't. They'd just scored. Yeah. We were battering him, and you, we continued you, to batter them. You've got it on spot on tactically if you win the game, which yeah. they didn't. They very unwon it. And you can't, if you win it with pure luck, then that's also not getting it spot on tactically. That's getting lucky, which it seems to be the story of Steve Bruce's career somehow. I'm not sure how he's got that job. I mean, he didn't even remember playing Bielsa before, so maybe that's why he can't learn from from other managers because he just doesn't. It's just a blur to him. He'll be on a bus, not knowing what score it was tonight. I mean, I've got mates in Newcastle um, and still in contact with a lot of them, and we've been texting during that. And then my mate John's just um, he's just saying that how useless Bruce is, like tactically, just terrible. Took all the creativity out of their midfield beforehand in a bid to kind of contain us and put in uh, somebody to try and keep the midfield tight. Didn't work, did it? Because we absolutely mullered them pretty much from start to finish. The player I said I didn't want to come on other than obviously Andy Carroll who would have scored a goal from every single set piece, maybe two from every set piece, was Shelby because they had so little control in midfield that I thought he's someone who they might might do a bit of something for him if he came on, but he just didn't have any interest in it, did he, Bruce? Shelby would have, I mean, on a night like tonight, he really could have turned Melier into Rahubka solo. He, was, he ran the show for Blackpool in the famous 5-0, but no, he gets to stay sitting down, Andy Carroll, Twice the height of Luke Ayling at a conservative estimate. Don't bother bringing him on. I was very surprised at that. He should have come on. 
I mean, he's presumably he's not fit because he's not been fit since about 2005 or whenever he, his career began. So that's probably why he didn't come on. But then why have him on the bench, I guess? I mean, we were just great, weren't we? And the subs they did bring on, I didn't notice any of them do anything. Who was it? It was Gale, Almiron, some of the useless. Kra- Kraft. Kraft, that was him. Kraft, cheese. So they were all useless, which was good. It didn't feel like, I know we work hard every game, but it didn't feel like we needed to work mega hard for that victory. It came to us quite easily in the end just by taking the chances that we got, which were plentiful. I mean, Steve Bruce was talking the other day that he was just pleased the players had kind of turned up to training and stuff and were doing a bit of running. He sounded like he was running a pub team and they did kind of play with that sort of a vibe about them. They don't seem very fit, I have to say, and they don't seem overly arsed. I think there's one of those things where when you get into the last stages of a game and you, a teams are just racking in goals against you it is partly down to them just not being that bothered like they they could have tracked back the desire was there for, for us to keep attacking and with the, saw with the Alioski goal where there was people absolutely flooding forward to score a goal we didn't even need to score whereas the Newcastle defenders were a bit more like ah it's a long way back there we'll see what happens maybe they'll miss and then we'll we'll not have to run the other way Jackie actually almost looked pretty miffed with Alioski that he hadn't passed it six inches to his left for a slightly better angle for him to put in. And I think there was a lovely moment that they caught on a, a slow-mo of the replay of the celebrations of um, Alioski going to Jackie and kind of slapping him around the chops and saying, you got your goal now? You happy? You happy? Bless. Which I think he was. God bless Gianni Alioski and there was, for the entertainment that he provides. Just on the defenders, there was the classic thing after the fifth of one Newcastle player kind of throwing his arms up in the air and looking around at the others going, oh, fucking come on, what's the matter with you lot? So, And that's always a sign. If there's one player that's bothered, that's almost worse than having none of them bothered because it means he'll be in a right old huff on the coach on the way home. How do they have any points? By beating teams that are worse than them, I suspect. I mean, without looking, I don't know who they've beaten this year, but I mean, you've got to take each fixture on its own merits, haven't you? Because we saw like Chelsea run out of their skins to beat us with their very, very expensively assembled side only to give up in subsequent games because the rubbish and the tired and Newcastle obviously not equipped to deal with Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds United, if indeed Steve Bruce even realised that's who he was playing. I mean, Newcastle have Callum Wilson, who scored 20,000 goals and is better than Bamford, according to idiots. And Hasselbank said you could see in his face he wanted to score goals. And they had that um, St. Maximin, who uh, wasn't playing because I think he's either injured or COVID, and then... Um, Shelby as well, and Fraser, Richie, um, there's good players, just Bruce decided or couldn't use any of them. So I think that helped. Fraser, Richie, Fraser, Richie's in tribute. Two different players, but maybe okay. they... I think f- what you've done there is you just realised you haven't picked up on his joke. I got it. Was it a joke? No. <laughs> Matt Richie then, no? That's him. Yep. But then they've also got Ryan Fraser. Oh, right, okay. So that's who I was... Ryan Fraser, Matt Ritchie, separate people, both good players... Fraser Richardson would have walked into their team tonight and improved it. <laughs> we weren't without fault tonight. I think it, we have to be honest and say that. There were moments where, particularly when it got back to 2-2, it felt really frustrating after such a good goal for Rodrigo to us, for us to give away that cheap goal from that corner. And we have if we, we have to point some fingers because what's the point in doing this if we can't stir up some controversy with our capital O opinions? Uh, I thought Meslier's footwork was not great off the corner in that he went to the near post a couple of yards, took a couple of steps one way, which left him vulnerable at his back post. And we know that we lose every one-on-one battle in defence. And he just got to tuck it into the into the corner. It felt weak after after such a good goal going forward. You feel like a goal like that by Rodrigo, how beautiful that was, should be worth more than a cheaply defended corner like that. 
it, that whole sequence was incredibly upsetting. The fact we had a corner, Calvin Phillips passed it straight to them. They went down the other end, almost scored, got a corner, did score. And let's not exclude Melier's wonder save that stopped them just from scoring from open play. Mm. And his footwork would have been irrelevant if Luke Ayling had actually challenged whoever it was that he just stood and watched heading past him. Don Matteo was in the Yorkshire Evening Post this morning in his column talking about defending um, corners. And he, um, you know, I'm not saying this proves me right or anything because I couldn't give a fuck, but he was kind of agreeing with what I was saying to you last week that it's not necessarily about whether it's own or marking. He says man-to-man marking should work fine, but you've got to actually be a bit aggressive and try to stop your player from winning the ball. Um, And he was talking about Stuart Dallas uh, in the the West Ham game, not being physical enough with the player he was marking. And then Luke Ayling tonight, you can see it wasn't a good attempt to stop him. And Melier, his footwork is not going to be, um, I was going to say Torval and Dean, but they had skates, which was cheating if they were um, dancing. He's not Rudolf Nureyev. He's not going to get it spot on, balletic every single time. And that's where someone like Luke Ayling, who you would think has, you know, defended enough corners when he was playing in the fucking Farmers Leagues for Yeovil, can handle some, you know, Premier League striker that's going to be, or a defender who's good for like two goals every five years. You want more from the defenders, I think. It's a shame because I thought Ayling did well as well in general play. I thought he just slotted in nicely at centre-back. I don't, I don't particularly feel like... He, I'm watching someone playing out of position. And while we are highlighting um, little elements of things that went wrong or went right, when we cleared the corner that led to our third goal, fourth goal, fourth goal, Tyler Roberts, commanding defensive header at the back. He's, he's doing precious little else right at the moment. So I want to say that was a very good header. And he took his penalty in the under-23s well, didn't he? So start him in the next game. And for the first goal... Which, again, that came as a disappointment because we'd had the run of it early doors. But that first goal, Alioski losing his marker at the back post, he just, he wasn't in position, was he? But, you know, it didn't matter in the end because he scored an absolute belter up the other end and we won 5-2 and we kept scoring. Artistic merit in their goals, you'd give it, you'd give both about a 2 or 3 out of 10 max, mm. wouldn't you? Lower. It was, it was very basic Sunday League stuff. Look at our goals. Look at the counter-attacking, look at the a diving header. Jackie's screaming one in from 25 yards. And the difficulty level as well, because as we've established in recent weeks, Jackie Harrison is incapable of crossing a football. So for him to actually get one right, and then Rodrigo Moreno, waste of money, out of his yeah. depth, can't adapt to the Premier League. So for him to uh, to score a header like that, both of them really playing above themselves to to achieve something that most people would have thought was impossible before this game. Can they do it on a cold Wednesday night in Leeds? That's the thing with these these foreigners, isn't it? When you buy them in, not not equipped for the Premier League. That horrible American, Jackie. <laughs> uh, what was your favourite goal out of the five? Jackie's. Yeah, the fifth, especially because it was such a um, imitation of the fourth, and I I do like that as just a a real fuck you to the whole set pieces thing, which you know we can't pretend it's not a problem, but if we can. So that that seed of doubt where now people remember that if they don't score from a corner against us, if they don't just head it straight in, you're in trouble. We're going to go up the other end and just score without 10 attacking players. I mean, the number of uh, Jackie was kind of left on his own for the fifth and that gave him the beauty of that shot to finish. The glory of the the fourth was how many people we had on the left side um, running up. And it was uh, so that edges it close, but um yeah, Jackie, for the fact that we'd just done it again 
and also what a shot. And at 5-2, even I would have to concede that the game was won. So you can enjoy that one properly. However, what did you do on about 80, was it 87, 88 minutes? What it did you do, 40. Michael? We'd just it gone 40. Was, just, I put 50p on the draw. At odds of? 80 to 1. I just thought, you know, just in case. That's how much confidence Michael Normanton has in our football team. I was down yeah. in the dumps. I was in despair after West Ham because it just all felt like it had gone wrong on the night and off the back of a couple of other, you know, shaky performances. Tonight, Michael, we were clearly romping that home towards the end, and that's how little faith you've got in our You're a turncoat bastard, is what you I are. Knew, I knew we were going to win it, but just a bit of, just a bit of insurance. There. I did predict as soon as we went 4-2 up that it was going to finish 4-3. I still thought we'd win, but um, I suspected another goal. And those, I mean, those two corners that they had, they did. I'm re- repeating myself slightly, but I'm sure everybody watching that game, when they won the, the, the corner at 4-2, no, at 3-2, but 4-2? Yeah, it was 3-2. <laughs> it was a score. It, w- it was definitely a score, wasn't it? It must have been. How did the scoring go? It was 3-2 to us. And then, then we made it 4-2, didn't we? Five. So it must have been the 4-2. Anyway, you'd assume they'd equalise. And the, the pleasure that they did not, it's all part of the fun. I'd like to give some credit to Rafinha for his part. And was that the fourth one? Was that the Alioski goal when we overloaded them completely? Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. And Because um, I thought, don't overcook it. Don't overcook it. Because if he'd have tried to take the man on, he might have been tackled there and lost the ball. But he just did enough. Just got close enough to him with the ball to tempt him out, like trying to lure him out of his, his den so he could eat him <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah, okay. I like Rafinha tonight. I think I like him generally. He's, I'm not 10, but if I was, he'd probably be my favourite player. I'd get him on my shirt because I'd, like, I'd, I'd be watching the stuff he's doing and think, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. I don't know why. He's not necessarily translating it to goals yet but I'm, I'm sure he will start scoring soon and he wanted one tonight desperately didn't he he did and he could have had two or three on another night it was it was unlucky but he will score a lot for us I think when you see the difference again we always end up praising people while criticising others someone like Costa who's now been bombed out not even on the bench it seems he doesn't often present much of a goal threat whereas it feels like Rafinha was constantly in the box and on the verge of scoring tonight so if if he if we've got that in the team it can only be a good thing, surely. Rafinha's one of those rare beasts where every time he picks it up, I get excited thinking about what he's going to do, what possibility lies ahead. I really like him as a footballer. He's exciting. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I was pleased for Patrick Bamford tonight as well because we are due to talk about him tomorrow on the Phil Hay Show. So I'm glad he got himself among those goals because it justifies the topic now. You were pleased for Patrick Bamford for yourself. Yes, it's made the job easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. But he did. He led the line well tonight, I thought. He did well. Got a goal. The least spectacular of them, but was there still, which is which is sometimes what you ask of a striker because Bamford does other stuff mainly. We maybe don't give him enough credit for a tapping. If Dwight Gale had been in that position, so just everyone would be going, oh, one of those players, isn't he? Right place, right time. Doesn't always contribute much, but he's he's in the just just always in the right area. And Pat Bamford was there today. And he did some other nice things as well. That goal I'll, I'll let Moscow criticise him now. No, nothing nothing to criticise him for um, at all. Um, that goal was um, nice. Uh, Rafinha cross. Um, Rodrigo, all right, if we're going to criticise anyone, that's Rodrigo with another header that he's missed. Um, but it was a good effort. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily expect him to get as close as he did with that one, actually. Had it a nice looping header off the bar. And the, yeah, Bamford, get in there. Like Carl shut, sniff it up, stick it in the net. That is who I was thinking about, Moscow. Yes, it was definitely Carl shut in that moment. Um, you made a good point, actually, Michael, in that first half, which I tweeted out from the Squareball account about not being able to celebrate that first goal because of VAR. We all kind of went, yes, but then it stopped, didn't it? It was a slightly subdued celebration versus, you know, the roar and the dancing in this room when Jackie uh, slammed that one in and when Alioski scored and he's running off to the cop, making his heart. We enjoyed all those, but mm. maybe that's what we can criticise. Bamford for for being too close to the last man to score that goal, whereas with Jackie Harrison, it's no question of him being offside whatsoever, so we could celebrate straight away. So I don't know why Bamford couldn't do that in that, in, in that situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it is annoying, though. I, in a goal like that where there are several moving parts, because you know you've got to... The things you don't watch for, as because we're not linesmen, you don't watch when someone's heading towards goal where other people were stood, and then when it goes drops to someone who may have been stood offside... It's one of those things where you kind of like, oh, I think that's good. I think it's fine. Probably is fine. But we've seen with Bamford this year as well, When even when you see the replay and you go, oh, that's absolutely fine. Sometimes there might be a line that will be drawn in somewhere. But it was fairly conclusive. But yeah, I think that was the beauty of the Harrison one because there's nothing to look at. He ran, for, he ran, picked the ball in his own half, ran with it, twatted it into the top corner. And you can think, you can be fairly confident there's going to be nothing to pull that one back on. The refereeing in general around the VAR stuff. I mean, Newcastle probably should have had a penalty for Liam Cooper sliding through the back of whoever. And then, but more annoying was um, the referee not going back to book any of Newcastle's players who kept hacking through the back of ours all over the pitch. Alioski got one taken down that we were all convinced and he even looked at the players like pointing at him. If that, oh, that'll go back and there'll be a yellow card. And I don't know if the VAR get in his ear and say, oh, it's all right, we've had a look at that. It, it was a Leeds player he kicked, it's fine. But every time similar fouls that Leeds players committed, like Calvin Phillips got the yellow card for basically nothing and there was a couple in, I think, did Rafinha get done in, in midfield? But he blew them up straight away and was like a yellow card, whereas I don't know if he had the same amnesia as Steve Bruce. Like he's wandering around the pitch. Well, I've, I'm looking forward to refereeing my first Leeds game. It's halfway through it. But yeah, that was um, irritating. It feels like we needed that victory tonight and it feels like we needed an emphatic victory, not one where we shaded it. I think it's it's relieved a little bit of that pressure that's built up over the last couple of weeks. I mean, I know you've not really felt it as such, Moscow, but you know the one, that sort of general creeping sense of doom that kind of characterises Leeds fans when we go on a little bit of a bad run and 
it all feels like it's just getting away from us. Tonight, it feels like we dragged it back into our control again. It all felt so positive at the start of the season, even when we were losing stroke, drawing stroke, winning at Anfield. That type of game, it was all still quite good. It was like, okay, well, we need to win some games, but drawing against Man City, playing well, that's fine. Losing at Anfield, playing really well, that's fine too. Things are going in the right direction. Then it felt like losing to Chelsea was disappointing, but we excused ourselves because they're very rich. But then the West Ham game was a, a real... It did feel like a reality check, which I, I, is not a phrase I particularly want to use because I feel like TalkSport have been using it for Bielsa for about two years now, desperate for it to actually be a reality check. But it did feel like a, a moment of like, oh shit, maybe, it's, maybe it is tougher than we imagined. A, in bit, this a bit like the Palace game was, was that, wasn't it? That feeling of, oh, this is a bit harder than we thought. We were still all right for bits of that Palace game. I think the worrying thing about West Ham was that nothing we did seemed to work. We didn't have any zip about us. Like, passes weren't connecting we didn't particularly carve out any chances in it. It just felt bad. It didn't feel like a Leeds performance. Whereas this, straight from the from the from kickoff, we were dominant and we were we had runners going all over the pitch and they were weren't able to track us or weren't asked about tracking us. And it felt like we were going to win it, even though I was admittedly very concerned with the the amount of goals we can see from set pieces. It did feel like we were going to win that game. I think I think I said on the main pod that a lot of these games. West Ham, Newcastle, Palace, the kind of, you could toss a coin for where we are in our development as to whether we're going to win them or not. We'll lose to West Ham, but we'll beat Newcastle. I mean, Newcastle, we did need to really beat them badly tonight because they're awful, as we saw. And yet they don't change massively from season to season because Mike Ashley won't allow them to. I think he's trying to pickle them. Um, They finished 13th last season, which is totally fine. If we finish 13th, this season, we should celebrate and say that's a job very well done. Um, and it, they're basically the same team now, and it's fine. West Ham was 16th, we lost to them. Newcastle were 13th. We beat them. Different opponents, different nights, different... I don't know what the difference is, but there will be just these kind of intangible matches where you win one, you have a good night, you have a bad night the next one. And that was it, the... I mean, one of the things about the first half that you could immediately see was different, and it's um, it's kind of poetic in a way. What was the the big big problem in the first half against West Ham? It was the left side, Alioski and Harrison, both absolutely shocking. Tonight started really well. We were looking dangerous down the left side straight from the from the kickoff, and the last five minutes of the game, the two of them getting a goal each. It's you know, and what was the difference? What what changed between? Friday and Wednesday. It's not like, you know, there's there's that idea that footballers spend every every waking minute improving and practicing technique and actually they're probably just icing their legs and trying to get fit for the next the next match because they're all they're all like Robin Cock playing with like a, a knee operation waiting to explode. They just had a good game and sometimes they won't have a good game. You make a good point there. I, I f- do. You do. I I will agree with you for Thank you. In that the championship, although uh, there were a lot of difficult games and, and that famous maxim about the championship is that anyone can, be, can beat anyone on their day. Actually, it's it was quite predictable in its form and its shape. The games in the championship generally were, weren't they? Like last season, you knew what any given week would look like for Leeds United. It'd be tough in this regard. Some get away from you, some you win, but by and large, you know who the difficult games will be against, whereas we're just sort of sussing that out and finding our way in the Premier League. And the other big change that Bielsa highlighted talking about these matches was um, that we had a lot of respect in the Championship. Teams were frightened of us, whereas now not every team is frightened of us. West Ham, they don't necessarily have the respect for us. They've been in the Premier League for years. We're newly promoted. 
we can, you know, we can puff our chests out and say we are the peacocks and they should, um, their bubbles can, I don't know, where would a bubble go? Just pop. Um, and what's coming along with that is players like, uh, teams like West Ham and like Chelsea putting in their maximum performances of the season because the one thing they are recognising is that we've got these, what Steve Bruce kept calling before the game, eccentric tactics and they have to work really hard to beat us. Um, and not every team is capable of working as hard and achieving as much against us as Chelsea and West Ham. Newcastle just do not have that level in them on tonight's evidence. And and on the evidence of the season so far, there's going to be enough te- teams in this division who do not have that level against us, and we will score five against each of them. I mean, we scored four against Liverpool. We're not shit, are we? It was slightly annoying. I'm just trying to think if I've seen Leeds score five goals at home in the Premier League before. I have certainly seen us concede five in the Premier League. I can't even think what that was, but it must have happened. We beat Swindon twice, 5-0 in a season, oh, didn't we? We did actually, yes. Yeah. I do vaguely remember that. The 100, because we needed to score five in the final game of the season when they were relegated. They'd conceded 95 and we tipped them over the 100 by scoring five. Swindon in the Premier League, kids. Imagine that. Mm. We've heard from, uh, from Bielsa. It was a deserved victory. Winning is always a positive thing to take into the next match. The next win. He was impressed most by his side's patience with the ball, the ability to show calmness on the counter at 2-2, and in terms of the goals which stood out, he thinks Rodrigo and Harrison's came to mind first. He's very balanced, isn't he? What Steve Bruce had to say? Did he say they were unlucky or something? Who was I playing? Who's this manager? <laughs> Where am I? Was Wuzz's was was team's... Yeah, he's got. Is it Wuzz that he always says, Steve Bruce? He's got a made-up word, hasn't he, that he... He constantly uses in press conferences. It was quite disturbing seeing his face on the TV so much before the watershed. All the time. I don't know why they kept cutting to it. It was almost as disturbing as randomly hearing from Robbie Savage for absolutely no reason whatsoever. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. If you didn't get that one, uh, if you watched it on, on Amazon or maybe got the uh, international commentary, I think might have been the same one. They suddenly threw to Mark Clattenberg, the former referee, and you said, Michael, that sounds like Robbie Savage. And then it was Robbie Savage. Well, it- the reason it sounded like Robbie Savage is because he sounded clueless and lacking any authority whatsoever, whereas you expect, when they go into a referee to talk about a decision, you expect them to go, yes, it looks like he's taken the trailing leg, and I'd have given that as a penalty, but he just went, oh, yeah, yeah, it could be a penalty, yeah, I'm not sure, seen him given. <laughs> he actually started off quite forthright, and I thought, oh, yeah, that's Clattenburg being contrary, because he's all like, oh, I think that's a definite penalty, and then he was saying them, because it's just the same as that one in there. You know, the, and they, they, he, he struggled so much to try and think of what game it was like. They just faded him down and apologised for uh, Robbie Savage's interrupting. And as you said, he wasn't anywhere else on their no. coverage, as far as we could tell. I don't know if he was just like sitting, <laughs> sitting at home and his phone rang and he's like, you're going to be speaking live to the nation in three, two, one. He <laughs> did... It did maybe strike me that he was meant to be in a room with Clattenburg and Clattenburg had gone for a piss or something. And he's just gone, <laughs> oh, fill in. It's going to be fine. You, gen- quick, you do it, Robbie. You do it. I mean, I mean, that's a, I know Amazon have got a lot of money, but Jesus Christ, if they're just going to waste it on putting paying Robbie Savage to sit in a room with Mark Clattenburg, pay some fucking tax instead. Jesus. You know, it's not doing you any good to keep it. A, a nice night overall, though. I think we're all very happy after the last couple of testing weeks. Yes, I will stop looking at the bottom of the table for a little while now. I can't find five goals at home in the Premier League. I can find five against Warsaw in the Cup, but that took um, extra time and Masinga to sort that out. And I'm back to 1994. It must be that Swindon, Swindon behaviour. 
Well, that's annoying. I mean, I'm glad to have won, but it's a shame we've not. It'd have been a great atmosphere in there tonight, though, wouldn't it? The the sort of the piss taking we'd have been able to do with the Newcastle fans would have been lovely because they always used to go in the south stand and lord it over us, didn't the Newcastle fans? Yeah, so. and you you hate it, but you also really enjoy it in the same breath because there's that genuine competitiveness. Yeah, so it's, it is a shame. Maybe we should drive up to Newcastle and shout out of car windows or something. Did we want to stick five past Wimbledon? There's a thought. Yeah, must have, Swindon was away. We only beat them 3-0 at home. Oh, I must have got it wrong. Well, Wimbledon, then I'm sure we beat them 5-0 at one point in the Premier League. I mean, maybe it's never happened. I, I feel like you're getting caught up on a minor detail of this show, Moscow, that you really don't need to. It's fine. We'll, we'll figure it out and report back next week. Blackburn. There we go. Right. <laughs> 10th of April, 1993. Blackburn. Uh, it was Leeds United 5, Blackburn Rovers 2. Gordon Strachan hat-trick, two penalties. Wallace and Chapman, possibly the song that the Hitchers wrote um, their song Strachan about. People have speculated about that. It's never been confirmed. Yeah. Strachan Hattrick, two pens. Wallace and Chapman, that moved us up the table from 17th to 16th. Let's uh, pick some heroes and villains, preliminary, uh, preliminary ones from that game. Let's just put some respect on Oswite LUFC's name for their incredible website that continues to be a fantastic resource. They were all heroes tonight, weren't they? In their own special way. I think Pablo's not got a mention either. He's back. That was good. Seems like just being on the pitch is all he has to do for us to turn into counter-attacking um, wizards to steal his nickname and give it to everybody else. He's getting a lot of sort of social media credits. I think he technically gets two assists for that. I'm not convinced um, he was necessarily the, the decisive factor in either of either of the goals. Laid it on a plate for Jackie. He did, but then um, the plate was still quite a long way from his dinner yeah but I'm just glad he, started, he lobbed that sausage all the way it was more a relief to see him playing for us because I was worried about the whole he's fallen out with Bale so he'll never play well, again well the Costa you need to worry about now you see I'm not as attached to Costa not injured either he's not injured according to Bielsa fair enough very good Davis got a slot instead probably worth it well he should come in at left back shouldn't he because that chap Alioski bomb him out uh, any, any villains from tonight the ref yeah, it was a bit annoying. Although he didn't give that penalty. Or VAR didn't. Mm. No, I can't think of anything. I know you absolutely desperate to have Melier dropped for, uh, for for coming for that corner and staying away. I suppose equally, um, I'll go uh, throw a rotten orange at Luke Ayling. If Melier could stop passing it to their team at least once in every game, mm, yeah. that would be good. What, Calvin Phillips in this corner? I mean, it's been a uh, dreadful did, night, hasn't me- it? I mean, we did mention that Calvin Phillips did it as well. But when Calvin Phillips does it, generally it won't be in such a dangerous position, whereas... It turned out pretty dangerous. It did turn out that way. <laughs> yeah. I yes. Um, I was a bit worried about Cooper, but it was fine in the end. He he did have a madness within him, didn't he? There was there were times there where you thought, oh, just oh, stay on your feet, don't, don't jump in. in. And like, there was that one on the left touchline, wasn't there, when he was in the left-back position, and he tried to sort of unnaturally turn his body back up the line to play the ball away, which was probably the right thing to do under Bielsa's instructions, but... You just willed him not to try it and he just almost made a fudge of it and fell over and you know the one. Maybe it's that touchline because early in the match, Jamal Lewis for them had the ball at his feet and just kind of collapsed backwards spinning as if he'd been knocked out by a, a laser beam. That's what we can do as villainy, the pitch. Not the groundsman, doing his very, very best with his team, stadium staff, but it should have been changed years ago because Angus Kinnear mentioned it didn't he, in his programme notes. He had a shelf life for five years in about, what, 2011, 2013? Something like that. Yeah, they were planning to do it. Um, in the summer, it was going to be ripped up and replaced, but obviously summer didn't happen. 
So Steve Bruce thinks he's had it tough because of coronavirus a couple of days with his training ground shut. We're using mouldy old grass from the 19th century. And then it's been a, a sodden, rainy old day in Leeds um, all day. But uh, I'm sure when we leave the studio soon at half past eight, the sun will be shining. There'll be rainbows everywhere. Alioski and Harrison sliding down them towards each other where they will embrace. And somewhere inside that stadium, Steve Bruce will have a face on, won't he? He'll have no idea what's just happened. What time's kick off? Can't wait to play against... Uh, what? What's he? What's he? Uh, Simeone. Anyway. We'll wrap it up there then. We're back with the Phil Hayes show in the second half of this week. Regular show back at the start of next week. We'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Match Ball. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 